Are you ready? Welcome to Radio Grognard, King Size, the OSR podcast with more stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya folks, old man Grognard here, hope you're all doing well, it's a nice day. Okay, true confession time about me, and I'll tell you about it right after this. All right, so much for the teaser. True confession time. I like hex crawls and point crawls, and I, I I just like them. I've seen them done. I've seen them done well. I've been in campaigns with them. I never ran one myself. That's that's what I wanted to say, and you know I'm just getting it out there, and uh, you know I'm not ashamed of it, but I would like to improve on it. So. What prevents me from doing a hex crawl? The hexes. And what I want to say about this is if you have the plot hooks for the hexes, that's great. But it is just too easy for me to come up with a story. Or at least that's what I fall back on. What I mean is, aside from conventions where you got to come up with a linear story or something, it, how shall I say this? Um, I, I tend to, whenever I, they say, okay, you're going to GM next week. The first thing I think of is, okay, got to come up with the story. No, I don't. What I should come up with is an area of land, which I probably already have with a campaign world, and break it down to either hexes or points and then stuff those with story hooks, encounters, stuff like that. I'm what I'm saying is working on your world will help you make better make better, you know, games. And I figured if I do that, then I actually have a really good chance of coming up with a good hex crawl. Now, I don't know why. Well, I do know why. I was going to say, I don't know why I do that, but it's just, it's kind of a psychological thing. I, I think I've seen other people like this. You know, they've got to, they've got to come up with a story for next week. Okay. If you want to come up with an, an overarching story, that's okay. But it's, I don't, to me, you just develop your world and it'll come. It really will. I, I want to go back and actually do that. I want to walk into my first session of whatever new campaign we're starting and just tell them, okay, you've got characters, you're here. What do you want to do? And what do you want to do is a constant for any game master. They're always saying that whether they have a linear story or if they have a hex crawl or point crawl. What do you want to do? What do you see? What do you, are you got, first of all, I want to make sure they're kind of together because just uh, getting, getting individual characters together sometimes is just a pain. Sometimes you just got to come up with a premise and work it. That's, that's another thing. You don't need a scenario. You need a premise. Like I talk about when I do Mutant Future, I do the acquisitions department of this trader. 
that's a premise. It's it's happened. It's happened in it's novelists use premises. You know, you think that Conan Doyle comes up with an original way of telling or st- starting or telling a story every time he wrote a Sherlock Holmes story? No, he had a premise, and it usually started in Baker Street and went out from there. And it's and he would you would know he would know how to vary the premise once in a while but that's mostly the premise right there so you've got a premise where they're together fine what are you going to do with them where are you going to put them oh i don't know well if you don't have any particular scenarios but i've got a whole bunch of of plot hooks and i told you how to develop those a little before on a previous show well drop them where you feel that they can they can actually have some adventure because that's the whole point, isn't it? You know, drop them. What I want to do, what I want, here's what I want to do. I want to come up with a table based on my whatever campaign world I'm using, either the hexes or the points. You can come up, you know, you can come up with like 25 hexes where there's something to do in there and the other ones you're just traveling through. But the point I'm saying is a table. A table based on the campaign world that you can just, at the beginning of the game, and the beginning, I should say the beginning of the campaign, because I don't think you should do this every game, but at the beginning of the campaign, roll on that table or have a player roll on that table. Just have them roll a percentage or a D20 or whatever the hell the table is. D12, I don't know. But they should, you know, okay, roll a D20. 16? I look at that. I say, okay, you guys are here. And you point to the part of the map where they are. You just drop them, drop them, boom, right in there. And let them fend for themselves. Let them figure stuff out. Okay, fine. You drop them somewhere. There, this is your start point. Yes. So they are, they are doing what? Characters do, uh, looking around, seeing what's happened, maybe stumbling into a plot point or two that hooks them into adventure. And there's, yeah, there's no reason why you can't say somebody wants to hire them or something like that. You know, you can, but but you should have enough plot hooks around to do that. Okay, fine. Say they got a plot hook. They say they're, they're pursuing it into an adventure and every session between sessions, you are developing it more figuring out where the end point would be, and then work towards that. Once again, things will happen. They'll do stuff you're not going to expect. So you compensate for that. You know, you fly by the seat of your pants till the end of the session and then look, okay, they did this. How does this affect that? So, okay, they're going through there. Say they've gone like 10 miles to do this to do this adventure and they end up in another another town. Okay, fine. Now, you should look around and see what plot plot hooks there are where you put them. What did you put? Where, where you put them. Uh, and here's where I suggest my rosy adventure uh, technique. Uh, quite a while ago, I believe it was on Old Man Grognard on YouTube, uh, I came up with the rosy method of developing stories or campaigns and stuff. And I used modules. At the time, I used modules and examples, but this can happen with plot hooks too. Okay, you know a compass, you're familiar with a compass rose, right? 
north, south, east, west, northwest, southeast, out west, south, you know, you know what I'm saying. Okay, lay that compass on where the characters are now. What's to the north, what's to the south, what's to the east, what's to the west? What plot hooks are there? You can also go, what's north, what's in the northwest? What's in the southwest? You know, what plot hooks are there? There may be more than one plot hook. And what I like to do is develop, see what the plot hooks are in the four, the four, the four compass points, north, south, east, and west. Then when I go like northwest, north, south, or southwest, or, or southeast, or whatever, that way I can start, I can start, um, like, I could combine the two uh, in some way. Say in the north, there is this there is this dictatorial kingdom and in the west there is this this very democratic kingdom and maybe they don't like each other maybe they're trying to conquer each other and the dictatorial one's trying to conquer you know you know what i'm saying there's a there's war a brewing so what you do is if you they're going to go northwest you know, you that that conflict starts to happen. You know that the, maybe that maybe they run into patrols from one side or the other. Maybe maybe there's a, a field of battle that they run into or something like that. You can see how these develop. So take the rosy the rosy you know the compass rose and do that, and then play the next session and maybe a session or two down. See where they are. Then if they are like say five miles. The east. Take your compass rose, lay that down. Find out what plot hooks are around there. If they're not following something already, and even then, you may if you may have a plot hook they're going to stumble into that they don't do, or it may affect what they're doing. So that's the way I would like to run a hex crawl, because I just I don't. I want to be more spontaneous. This is why I like flying. This is why I like flying by the seat of my pants. And I love when players do something I don't expect. I absolutely love it. This is why, because I like to be spontaneous. Whatever they put down, you got to be able to pick up and run with. And then you put it down and they run with it. Remember the tennis game, you know, back and forth, back and forth. So, to me, that, that's the way to run a hex crawl, and that's the way I'd like to run my games from now on. Let's see if that happens. Okay, let's take another thing about hex crawls. Terrain. Terrain can affect things like plot hooks, too. Okay, say the, take those two kingdoms again. And say the uh, democratic kingdom is in the desert, and the dictatorial kingdom is in a swamp, which is let's make it let's make it west and south. So the, the dictatorial kingdom be in a swamp. Of course they're gonna, of course they're gonna uh, declare war on the other kingdom. They need more land. They got swamp. Period. Remember Swamp Castle from Monty Python. So that's another consideration you have to take. Also, mountain ranges, things like that. Things can happen up there that they don't even know. They don't even, people they, they've never even seen before. Critters they ain't ever seen before. That's the whole point of adventure. So you want to do that. You want to take the terrain into account. 
uh, a seaside adventure would probably deal with, I don't know, sea elves or sea serpents or something like that. And you'd have to deal with that. What's happening up the coast? Okay, up north, up the coast? Well, it's a little colder, but they've got a fishing industry going that's going on the fritz because of some kind of kraken out there that keeps messing with their boats. Keeps, you know, that you got to go out and figure out a way to do that. So that's how you do adventures. It's, I'll suggest the rosy compass, but you know, that's the way, that's the way I feel it should be done. If you know what I mean. Okay. What else we got here? Um, Let's, why do I keep coming up with wanting to talk about clerics? I don't know, but I'm going to talk about clerics anyway. Now, I proposed in a previous episode about level caps. And here's an interesting thought. What if what if clerics didn't have a level cap? Or I, I, this is kind of a story thing, a story plot point thing. But what would happen if there was a cleric who was so devoted to his deity that the deity decided, say, say it's a 12-level cap in the game, say, and their deity decides, no, you're too good to, you are too good to waste. You are too good, you know, I don't want you to retire or found a mine or whatever. I'm going to give you three more levels or something like that or the equivalent of. And they get more powerful spells. They get a little more, they get a little more, uh, you know, they get a little more experience and they just keep going while the rest of them, the rest of them, they have to stop and, okay, we got to create new characters. Now, I know this is kind of favoritism, but you can actually do this with, you can do this with all the other classes too. Maybe it's a rotating thing. Okay, this time your character gets the bump or something like that. And those characters, they will I mean, the deity will let them retire eventually, but say they gave him the three levels and they retire. He says, okay, good work, my good and faithful servant. Please go do what you're going to do to establish a monastery, get followings, things like that. Same thing with, I mean, to me, it's, to me, extra levels are kind of a, are kind of a carrot on a stick for the, for the players. Maybe it's rewards. For doing, for doing something exceptional or being an exceptional type of class. And, okay, say the cleric retires from a monetary. There's no reason why he can't come out of retirement every once in a while to do something. Or he's the best NPC for information on certain things. Because, you know, the players are always looking for sages or anybody who can give them information. Say you have a fighter who had retired at fifteenth um, level because because he was so good at it. Um, I'm not going to say a deity said he could keep going, but something like uh, a, an army, okay, a, a, a kingdom's army, saying, "Oh, are you going to retire?" No, man, we need you. We need you as the captain of the guard. We need you as the captain of the militia, and. Finally, after about three levels, okay, I'm tired. Okay, fine. And by the way, in those extra levels, 
they can actually train somebody to replace them. So there's that. That could be a whole different adventure. Finding an finding an heir, finding a uh, a successor to whatever you're doing. You know, uh, I'm sure certain cl- class levels, certain classes ain't gonna work like druids because they got a they got a strict hierarchy. But you know, they can. You know, after 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 this level cap, see who see who deserves to go on. Um, I my my barbarian got to a twentieth level in that five E game where we did Curse of Strahd and um, Tomb of Annihilation, and he retired to Chult to raise dinosaurs and be a guide into Chult. Now, don't tell me that players who have to go to Chult ain't going to look him up, even if they don't know him, because they're going to say, oh, the best guy to ask about the the wilderness around here is Grok over there, Grok the Barbarian, the guy who's raising uh, dinosaurs for racing. But you, you see what I'm getting at here. You should actually let them, if, you know, if I, you know, experience isn't the only thing that characters get or loot or anything like that. Those are the kind of things where you reward role-playing. You reward playing a good character. Maybe the, the player said, oh, I don't want to stop playing him. Give him three more levels. Okay, fine. You can go to 15. Everybody else stops at 12. And everybody else is going to understand uh, you're fair about it because maybe the next... The next campaign, he can still play up those three levels, and then he retires, and then somebody else gets the bump. Okay? To me, it's not favoritism. It's just one way of rewarding your players and keeping the game alive. So I think you get kind of what I'm I'm putting down here. So I'm going to go start my day. So if you guys want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognardgmail.com or drop me drop me a voicemail on Anchor. We are monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program, and I would thank you. For single donations, go to my Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash oldmangrognard, or my PayPal tip jar. That would be nice. PayPal.me slash oldmangrognard. Let me thank these people who do give to me monthly. Gilbert Suarez, Juan Carlos Llewellyn, Benjamin Brodell, John Allen Large, and Aaron. For other good podcasts, we have Dan Gregg's Young, Y-U-N-G, Young Grognar podcast, Kevin at the Red Caps podcast, Daniel Norton at the Bandits Keep podcast. He also has a really good YouTube channel, too. Big John Allen Large is the Red Dice Diaries. Randy and Joe, a biggest geekest podcast of my friend Eric Tinkar's Tavern Chat. So, till I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. You got questions? You got comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. Tune in next time when Radio Grognard King Size is on the air. <laughs>